I just want to say, wow, wow. Isn't it just like him to be better than you and I could ever hope, dream, or imagine? Uh, let's take just a moment, and uh, I'd ask you, do you believe that he is better? And if you do, this morning, would you give him your very best offering of praise by clapping your hands this morning? Would you do that? <laughs> clapping your hands unto King Jesus. He's good and worthy. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I love seeing the doors open, man. There's about 50 in the hall. or about 50 down the hall in a room. Uh, I got to worship with uh, about 50 packed in a room like sardines uh, back there. And uh, it was awesome, man. I was on a row of five little boys across the front. And, uh, man, Dax and different ones, and they were singing the top of their lungs. I'm telling you, it was awesome. And so I want to say to you this. Uh, God is moving here uh, like, like we've seen him in the past, and COVID's behind us, and he's really just, I mean, he's doing some awesome things. And I want you to know that you're part of that. So please, don't let uh, having to wait or get finding a seat or let any of that distract you from coming to what God wants to do in your life, okay? So I want to say thank you for your patience. Thank you for those who gave up their seats and moved around, did all kinds of stuff. Just know we are in the process of building expansion and different things, and we know we got to hurry up, right? we got to uh, move ahead a little quicker, and we'll be praying about options and moving forward. But whatever you do, show back up next week. We will find a place for you, all right? Now, if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to join me without wasting any more of your time in the Gospel according to Matthew. Would you make your way there? The Gospel according to Matthew. All right, Matthew chapter number 25, and I want to find verse number 31 if I can. And as we walk through this text together, I am excited about what God is going to do. Um, hey, Riley, were you having my phone out of my bag right there? And y'all are wondering, what is he asking him for that for? Uh, I like to have a, see the front pass. Uh, if you grab your phone out for just a second, will you get it out and show it to me real quick? We do that, y'all, like Bible or phone? Uh, both. Uh, grab your phone, thank you. If you grab your phone just for a second, pull it out and uh, hold it up. And if you will, on the side, I want you to help me out by turning the volume off. And uh, what happens is we get interrupted by all kinds of duck calls and grenades, just all kind of alarms. And so if you'll turn the side of that off. And then also if you're on social media, I want to encourage you to take right now from your chair and be a missionary. And so if you would go on to social media, if you're a part of that, and go to our Facebook page and just simply pray, God, put this in, who, in front of who needs to see it. And then if you would share it, that would be awesome. You could use it right from where you are, okay? So help us by doing that, being a missionary from your chair. Uh, this morning from Matthew chapter 25, uh, I have a question for you. And the question has to do with, um, are you a goat or a sheep? Uh, all right, can I ask you that question this morning? A goat or a sheep? All right, does that make sense? Anybody make sense to anybody? You're looking like, what in the world is he talking about? I'm a human. Um, but before we get into the message, I want to say to you that what's happening in the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 24, Jesus begins to talk about the fact that he is coming back one day and that there's going to be some future events uh, that he's already set in a place that are going to come to pass, okay? And so as he's done that, chapter 24, uh, you see him begin to teach some specific things and really where we end up today is going to be his last formal public teaching, before he engages with the cross, okay? And so very important for us to listen to what he has to say. As he teaches through that in chapter 24, as he talks about the fact that he's coming back, he, there's an illustration where he comes up on a fig tree. And the fig tree's in season that it ought to have figs on it, but it doesn't. 
And so as he's talking about his return, he, 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 the point he makes through the fig tree is that when he returns, he ought to find his children, represented by the fig tree, producing fruit. Our lives should be fruitful, okay? And so again, it all ties back to the fact that he's coming back and how we're going to be found. Uh, as he does that, he talks about a great tribulation that's to come. Uh, before the parable of the fig tree. Then he talks about the fact that nobody knows the day or time. Only God knows when he's coming back and when the end of time will come here on earth. And so you and I are not supposed to expend our energy trying to read signs and tea leaves and all that mess, trying to figure out when he's coming back. We just need to know that he's coming back and it could be today. That's it. You don't have to waste any energy there. That's it. Live with urgency. That's the whole point, okay? As you go on through chapter 24... He talks about the fact that he's coming back. He gives a parable again of the fig tree. And then he talks about, nobody knows, and then he talks about two servants uh, being faithful, one being not faithful. And then 25, he starts telling some parables about him coming back and how he finds us. The beginning of chapter 25, he talks about these virgins and this, 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 this wedding that's coming. And he talks about the fact that some have oil in their lamps, some don't. And the whole point of all that is being ready for the bridegroom, okay? Uh, after he finishes that example of the... Uh, the, the, those that are prepared for the bridegroom. He then gives a parable of the talents. He talks about somebody who's left town, uh, and he's left some of his resources with three different individuals. And the individuals, when he comes back, there it is, there's that point. When he comes back, he expects return on his investment. One of them has a little bit of, of, of return. One of them has a lot of return. And one of them has no return. They just buried it in the ground. They didn't invest it. And the whole point of that is he's coming back, and he has invested something in the heart of every believer, that is, the Spirit of God. He's given us the resource of the church and the Bible, and so he expects in our lives a, a return on his investment. Does that make sense to you this morning? Yes, no, maybe, all right. So now we're flowing into the last scene. We're moving right out of the talents and his return, imminent return, and we're going to settle in on chapter 25, verse 31, and on down to verse 46, okay? Now, uh, I hope that this... Final scene, his final teaching uh, rattles our cage a little bit. that okay? Uh, you, you do know that about me and you, we need our cage rattled a little bit. Some of y'all looking at me like, not me, I got mine rattled on the way here this morning. I'm not talking about those things. Isn't it interesting, by the way, how we can have such journeys on the way to church? And we won't talk about that. Okay, y'all see it's a sore subject. So we'll, we'll dive in. What I want to encourage you to do is stand to your feet with me, if you will, in honor of reading God's Word. All right, we're going to begin in verse number 31. All right, Matthew 25 and verse number 31. So remember the flow of Matthew recording the gospel. He's speaking in chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Don't delay uh, in your faithfulness. Stay faithful because he's coming. Keep that oil in your lamp and be serving. Uh, in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, he's telling us, invest your life. I've invested mine in you. Invest your life in the kingdom. And now we're settling in on Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Let's read together, okay? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divides his sheep and the goat from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats where? On the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous are going to respond back to Jesus and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? 
And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you, now I want you to see these two words, maybe underline them here in a minute. Inasmuch as you, two words, did it. Inasmuch as you, not heard it, but inasmuch as you did it. All right, hang on to that. As to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison. And we didn't minister to you. Then he will answer them and say, Surely I say to you, and as much as you now say these five words with me, would you? You did not do it. Notice the difference. One did it, one didn't do it. To one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pause for just a moment of, of prayer. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment, all right? Just for a moment. Father, I thank you so much for this awesome group of people. And I pray, God, that nothing would deter them from staying and hanging on and listening and paying attention and locking in. And so I pray that I would not waste one moment of their time. Uh, God, I pray for the special anointing of your spirit for this message to this people on this particular hour. Uh, God, I pray that you would help me to deliver it with clarity and boldness in such a way the youngest among us and the oldest, the educated and and most uneducated could grab a hold to it and be transformed by it. Thank you that as you preach through me, you'll put on display in front of a large group of people that you are able to use anybody to do anything because you're God. And Lord, as you help me to preach, would you help me to listen? I'm thankful you can do both. Help me to do both. I pray for every set of ears within the sound of my voice, whether in this room or in the uh, the common area or in the classrooms out and away from us or in, in different countries that are listening right now with us. Help our ears to hear your still, small voice. Uh, Help our AD whatever and our attention struggles. Lock us in. Sit us on the front edge of our seat. And as if we were the only one in the room with you speaking to us. So transform our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. As you're being seated, I want to, if I could, just sort of rewind back to the beginning. And I want you to think about this, uh, the title, Goat or Sheep. And then remember, uh, the whole purpose of, of all of that is that you and I would know that it really does matter whether you're a sheep or a goat. Now, some of you are looking around and you're still thinking to yourself, what in the world does he keep talking about a sheep or a goat for? Um, but you'll understand before we close, okay? So rewind back to the beginning here, if you will, back to verse 31. I'm going to give you the main idea of the passage today. Here it is. Those who are his live the mission. Those who are his live the mission. Now, you might even say it this way. Sheep live the mission. But sheep represent the category of those who belong to him, those who've been born again. Are y'all tracking with me? Give me a little head nod. Uh, some of you are looking at me like a, they say uh, here in the south, a calf staring at a new gate. And, uh, and so I just want you to settle in, listen to what God has for you, okay? Uh, the main idea is somebody asks you, what did you hear about? Well, I was in Matthew. Let's see. Oh, yeah. I found out that those who are his, sheep live the mission. Goats don't. Sheep do. Is that pretty simple? All right, so I'm going to speak to the young people in the room, a lot of children in the room with us. I encourage you to keep mom and dad awake, grandma and granddad awake, check their eyes, check their, you know, every once in a while they can fool me. They can't fool you, you're close. So check them, bump them every once in a while. On top of that, draw something according to what you hear. It's amazing to me how children can listen and draw out what they're hearing. And so do that. And I love seeing that. If you get a chance, bring it to me. I want to see it. I'll be out in the common area after we close, and I'd love to see what God places on your heart as you draw, okay? Now, we're going to talk about three, Roman, excuse me, four. 
major points that point back to the fact that those who are his live the mission. All right, a couple of those are going to have some little numbers, but we'll talk about that along the way. Number one in your notes is going to be found in those first three verses, verse 31 to 33. Here it is. You ready? Judgment is coming. Now, aren't you glad you came? Some of you are thinking, now, man, I've been hearing a lot of stuff going on, and God's doing a bunch of great things out of Hickory Ridge, so surely it's going to be a, a preacher that's prosperity gospel. You know, just think positive thoughts and everything. God will rain gold bars on you, you know. Uh, that would kill you, but, you know. Uh, so in other words, you, you came expecting one thing, and you're hearing something different. And what I want to say to you is this. I love you enough to preach the full counsel of his word so that you'll get all of it, not just the, not just the easier parts, but also some of the difficult, more difficult parts. And so today he has us resting right here in Matthew 25. So, Judgment is, will you write it in your notes? Judgment is, help me, coming. It's coming. Now look in verse 31 to 33. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and the, now all of his holy angels with him, he's going to sit on the throne of his glory, sit on the throne as a judge, as one who's got uh, all the nations before him, and he's going to judge them. How about that? Some of y'all don't like that, do you? Well, guess what? It don't really matter. Some of us say, I don't want to be judged, and don't judge me, and we have all these attitudes and opinions about what I think, what I believe, and all of that nonsense will be done away with on that day. And there will be a great judgment, and there will only be one judge, no defense lawyers, no defense attorneys, no, no uh, advocates, just, just the judge. And the judge, listen, he already has all the evidence. So what he's about to do in this passage is pass judgment on the nations. And as he passes judgment, I need you to understand he's going to put them in one category or the other. There's not a third category. There's only two. One category. Now, listen, as we go along today, i got to do this because it happened in the early worship. When I keep going over here to the left, just because I say left is goats, I'm not calling all y'all goats. Okay? So just, let's just kind of get to clear the air. I, I know they're going to be, but listen, what I know is there's some goats in this neighborhood. And there's some goats in this one. And there's some goats in that neighborhood. There's some goats out in the common area, some goats in that room back there. There's some sheep in this area, some sheep here, some sheep there, some sheep out there. There's some goats and some sheep. Now, you say, how, some of y'all think, well, are you going to call our name? No, no, no. I don't know who you are. I just know that with this many people in the room, there are goats and sheep among us. Now, the, now what's going to happen is this judge, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to separate them based on some criteria, okay? So you'd imagine if you had a room full of animals, some were sheep, some were goats, the first thing you're going to have to do is use your eyes and observe the characteristics of the animal. And then when you look at something, say, oh, 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 well, that tells me, that fluffy wool tells me that's a sheep. All right? I've observed some evidence. Now I've got to put it over here in the sheep category. All right? Y'all tracking with me? Oh, come on. Y'all got to participate now. There's too many of us. All right? Yes? All right. Okay. So uh, watch how this thing unfolds. Judgment is coming. Verse 31 to 33. So he's going to come sit on the throne. All the nations are going to be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from the other as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, which is a position of authority and blessedness and favor, and the goats on the left-hand side, and that's the place of cursing and punishment. And you don't, listen to me, you don't want to be on the left-hand side. You want to be on the right-hand side. So he's going to judge. There's going to be some judgment. It's interesting, isn't it? We live in a culture today that says, don't judge me, which translates into let me sin in peace. The problem with that is if somebody does not love you enough to tell you when sin is in your life, they're going to send you to this judgment without any preparation. And if they are a believer in the Lord Jesus, it is our responsibility to prepare every person we know 
for this particular judgment, okay? So the judgment is coming. There's a sermon preached by R.J. Lee. It's called Payday Someday. It works something like this. helps you to understand that the wages that you earn. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say wages? When you go to work, you spend an hour of work, you get paid a wage for that hour or maybe your salary. You have a certain amount of hours you've got to put in, and you get a certain amount of pay in return for what you did. The sin in our life works the same way. The Bible says it this way. The wages of sin, in other words, sin earns. You know what it is? The wages of sin is death. Now, it's not talking about physical death because all of us are going to physically die unless Jesus comes and raptures his church, right? So we know we're going to face physical death. But so what is he talking about? In fact, he's talking about a spiritual death or not soul annihilation but separation from God for eternity. So the wages of sin is separation from God. But Jesus, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, left the throne of heaven, came down to this earth, and was the Lamb of God who took on the punishment and wrath that we all deserve so that we could be forgiven. So on judgment, the judgment will be based upon whether or not you have received Jesus as Lord of your life. For some of you are like, shoo, I prayed that prayer. That's not gonna, how he's going to separate this group. I need you to understand this morning that this judgment that's happening, notice that he's not checking the sheep for whether they prayed a prayer or the, lamb, or the goats, whether they went to church or not. He's judging something altogether different. I'm going to call it living the mission. Let's look at it, okay? So judgment is, in fact, coming. One day, every one of us will stand before the high king of heaven, either, either judged guilty or innocent, sheep, innocent, goat, guilty. And it all is determined not on how good you and I can live, not even on how many deeds we can do, but on whether or not we truly invited Jesus Christ. We trusted that he died for us and rose again. We truly invited him to come and be the Lord of our lives. If we vacated the throne and surrendered it humbly by faith to Jesus, and he came, moved in, and changed our mission. Some of us have, some of us haven't. We'll all be at that judgment. So let me just read along a little further. So number one, judgment is, help me out somebody, coming. You may not like it, but you will, in fact, face it. So will I. Number two, write this in your notes. Now, the next two subtopics are going to broke up perfectly uh, opposite of each other. You'll see what I mean. So number two, I want you to write this statement. Some will inherit heaven. Some will inherit heaven. Notice I did not say everyone will inherit heaven. Did you, did you pick up on that? Some will inherit heaven. Did you know that not everybody on planet earth is a child of God? Did you know that? Now, I know, I know Twitter may tell you different or TikTok may tell you different. We all God's children. No, we're not. No, we're not. We have to be born again into the family of God. Okay, that happens at salvation. So, uh, as this thing unfolds, watch how... This determination is made, all right? Now, the first thing I want you to notice is in verse number 34. Put your eyes there. Then the king will say, all right, so he's, he's getting into separation mode. He's judging and separating by his judgment. And he says in verse 34, the first thing that he says to the sheep is one word that I'm telling you I'm head over heels in love with, and that word is come. And the reason that I'm, I'm in love with that word, not necessarily the word, but I'm in love with the attitude of Jesus that says come. Because what if my Savior was not an inviting Savior? What if he was like some of me and you, you know, kind of introverted? You know, some people want you around. Did you know that? I mean, some people just really want you to be around. They'll invite you. Some people don't. And what if, have you ever given much thought to what if he was the kind that said, yeah, I really don't want to hang out with y'all. I really don't want you to be part of my family. We'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? So he says, listen to the word. He says, come. Now, I'm reminded in Scripture in several different places, even in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says to the disciples, come, follow me. Not stay away from me. Not I hate all of you. You're a bunch of idiots. No, no. He says, come. Follow me. Come walk with me. Come join me on mission, all right? Uh, next, we see in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, 
He says to those who are weary. Do you know what he says to those who are weary and heavy laden with life and the struggle of life? You know what he says to them? He says to them, come on, say the word with me. Come. He's an invite. See, he's, he's saying, come bring that weariness to me and I'll lighten your load. I'll give you a purpose for living and lighten the burden of sin in your life. Uh, we go on through the gospel according to Matthew chapter 22, verse 4. Uh, we see the invitation of those who are going out into the highways and hedges, inviting people to come to the wedding feast. It's representative of salvation. And so he's saying to the world, to you, to me, no matter where we've been or what we've done, no matter what we look like, how tall we are, what we have tattooed or don't tattooed, he says to me and you, come to this relationship. Come to me. We read on down to the last book of the Word of God, Revelation chapter 22, verse 7. He says, all who are thirsty, you know what he says to them? Come and freely drink of the free water. Aren't you glad that our God is a God of invitation? Did you know he's inviting you today? He's inviting you either to a closer walk with him or to a walk with him for the first time. He's an inviting God, all right? So as we walk on through the text, look at verse 34. The king will say to the, those on the right hand, come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So we see in verse 36, uh, he goes on, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you, help me somebody, clothed me. I was sick and you, come on, y'all can't, y'all got too many people here to be mumbling now. All right, let's, let's try that again. Put your eyes on verse 36, all right. I was naked and you, I was sick and you, I was in prison and you, then the righteous. Now, let me just stop right there. So he identifies this group of sheep by this observable, little number one in your notes, all right, under number two, little number one, the observable marks of the believer. In other words, did you know that believers have birthmarks? Uh, believers have observable, you can look at them and see the evidence that they are a believer. Not secret agents, not people you have to guess. Well, I wonder if he knows the Lord or if he died. I don't know. Uh, he says that those in the right-hand category called sheep who are blessed, receiving the inheritance of heaven and the favor of God, he says that now I'm going to show everybody how I decided who went into this group. Their, their life, their, their marks, their identity is found in how they live the mission. What? Now, today's message is going to rock your world. Let me tell you why. It's so simple a child can understand. It's so straightforward nobody can misunderstand. In essence, if I was to give you the whole sermon and we could just go to invitation, it's this. You are evidenced as a sheep by living the mission. You are evidenced as a goat by not living the mission. Which one are you? And you could very simply look over your life over the last week, over the last 10 days, over the last year, and ask yourself the question, am I living the mission of using my hands to feed, to bless, to clothe, to take care of, and minister to, or, or am I living the mission of I want the American dream. I'm working hard. I got a goal. I want to get married. I, got, I want this marriage to be great. I want this house to be great. I want this car to be great. I want everything to be great. And time, 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 and all of a sudden, then you die. And it says, if, if, if this is the judge, now the judge is Jesus, and he's separating the groups and the, and the qualifying mark. In other words, if we had sheep and goat, we'd have to look, all right, wool's a little longer. Okay, that's identifying mark of a sheep. We're going to put it over here. The, the judge is saying, what I'm looking for to prove me living in them is me living out of them. Uh-oh. So I'm identifying the ones who are mine by me living out of them. Okay, that one is, that one is, that one is, and we're putting them over here. According to so the observable mark of the believer, y'all help me, is living the mission. Y'all still with me? 
Now, I know it's a little bit of a difficult message, but hang tight, all right? Stay with me. This has the potential to transform the rest of our day. Somebody's thinking to themselves right now, well, this means if I start living the mission, then I'll be saved. Oh, heavens no, you can't get clean before you get in the shower. What, what, what the judge is saying is this is the practical evidence that you've been born again. Y'all with me? You've been saved. Jesus is living in See, when he's living in you, he'll live out of you. That's how it looks, okay? It's what uh, youth looked at this weekend called all in. The all in are the sheep and the kind of in. Notice there's no kind of in group or an in-between group. Have you all noticed that? There's only two groups. There's not a this is the pray the prayer group. There's two groups. Heaven, hell, saved, lost. Living the mission, not living the mission. It's so simple a child can understand. It's so uncomfortable for many of us because it's amazing how many professing believers are not living out what they say they believe. So as we walk on through the text, just something I want you to see. Now watch what happens next, all right? So uh, notice uh, what he says is that you're doing it to the least of these. And, and I want you to notice the context here. He says, to the least of these, my brethren, my brothers. Uh, so specifically here, now, now I want you to understand, are we supposed to feed the hungry? Yes. And homeless downtown Jackson? Absolutely. Should we clothe them? Yes. Should we serve them? Yes, absolutely. But this context is talking about the brothers of the king and the brothers of the king, can y'all help me determine who that is? Who are the brothers of the king? Who are the brothers and sisters of King Jesus? Those of us who have been born again, the family of faith. And so notice that some of those in this particular time were arrested for their faith. They were beaten for their faith. They lost their jobs because they trusted in Jesus. And so you see the context? Yeah. So and what I want you to see next is little number two. So we're, we're talking about observable marks of the, of the believer. They live the mission. Jesus living out of them by serving, Okay. And uh, tonight you're going to find out how you can help be a part of clothing and feeding and, oh, I just, the thing I'm thinking about though is we may have to have it outside because I'm trusting every one of you uh, are going to be a part of it tonight. And you're not going to live like a goat this evening. You're going to live like a sheep this evening. And you're going to come in and have a notepad ready to say, God, where can I be used for the glory of my king? Because if he's in you, I'm telling you, he wants to live out of you. Okay? So, observable marks of the believer. Living the mission. Now, second part of that I want to show you in verses 37 to 40, and that is unconditional love. Let me show you, all right, unconditional love. How is my serving, all right? Is, is it the sheep have unconditional love in their service? Let me show you where I found that, all right? Y'all with me still? Everybody okay? Verse 37, uh, then they're righteous. So here's that rebuttal. He's told them, you guys are the sheep. You've, you've proven that I'm living in you because you've been serving so well. That's the proof that I'm living in you. And he says, now, you're going to be over here. And they say something back to him. It's interesting. This is what they say. Y'all reading along verse 37? Then the righteous will answer him, and they're going to say, Lord, wait a minute now. We're a little confused. When did we see you hungry and feed you? I, don't, I mean, Jesus, we, we you know... Uh, think about it now. This is somewhere out in the future. And so if that's me and you, and if you and I are there in the future, if he, Jesus said, hey, uh, Chad, thank you for feeding me. Chad said, Jesus, now look, I don't remember seeing you on earth. And so that's their question. They're just a little confused. When did we, verse 38, when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Jesus, we're, we're a little, we don't understand. And, he, and the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, You did it. You did it to the least of these, my brethren, which are representatives of me. 
what I want you to see is when Paul was uh, uh, confronted by Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, uh, he said, who are you, Lord? Saul did. And, and Jesus said, I am Jesus who you've been persecuting. And Jesus wasn't on the earth when he was doing his persecuting. Who was, who was Paul or Saul persecuting? He was persecuting the church. So what was Jesus calling the church? Himself. And so he's, now he's saying to us, you, you didn't have to find the king to do good. You did good because naturally living through you. Here's the word. You ready? Organic. You ever see that word thrown around? I'm not talking about that fancy chicken that they don't put in steroids in. I'm talking about it's produced naturally. Here's another word, authentic. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying to those who are sheep. He's saying, you loved unconditionally. You didn't put the, the, the stigma of, oh, well, if the king was here, we'd serve him, but we ain't going to fool with uh, Dylan. You, you served naturally, supernaturally naturally. Everybody who came in your path. You served. You didn't care about who noticed. It wasn't about what the king could do for you. You just served because that's who Jesus is. And when he gets in me and you, he doesn't change his mind. He lives through us unconditionally. So you see unconditional love. Do you see that? Unconditional love. And I want to make a couple of statements. I'm going to give you a question and make a couple of statements. Here it is. I was thinking this week as I was kind of preparing, reading through this uh, several different times, uh, the question occurred to me, what benefit is love without evidence? I want you to write that down somewhere. What benefit is love without evidence? Now, here's a hard question. You ready? Have you ever doubted someone's love for you? I want you, in this room, and, and, and if you're our guest today, we have a little a theme here. We're ugly honest. I don't mean we are ugly honest and mean to each other. It means we're ugly honest about where we are. We don't try to put masks on. Who in the world will we try to impress? So my question for you is, has there ever been a time, by show of hands, how many of you in this room, like me, have ever doubted somebody's love for you? Raise your hand. If you've ever doubted somebody, anybody, somebody's love for you, best friend, all right, okay. Now let me ask you this question. Logical series of questions. Why did you doubt? Oh, somebody got it, a lack of evidence. There was a lack of evidence from your dad or your mom. There was no proof. You couldn't really tell. You couldn't, obs uh oh, observable marks of love. And you couldn't see them. You couldn't hear them. And you didn't feel them. And so it caused you to doubt. So here again, I want to pose the question, what benefit, what value is love without evidence? I'll tell you. James applied it when he talked about faith. Faith without works is Dead, it's not faith at all. It's not love at all. Love is an action word. It's not a feeling. It's not that fuzzy little feeling you get when that really cute guy that transfers over from Northwest Rankin comes into your ninth grade class over at Richland or Florence High. You know what I'm talking about. You just get that, oh, that's a, look at that dude. That's not love. Good gracious alive. Uh, what's love is action. It's a decision of the will that's proven by what we do or say. And so Jesus is saying, I'm, separate, I'm, 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 I'm separating the goats and the sheep and the sheep Listen, it's not because, I want you to understand something crystal clear. Not because they did those things, but those things are the evidence that they have truly surrendered their lives to King Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, that's so simple. A little child can get it. And he says it's evident by how you're living your life. You're not living your mission anymore. You're living the mission I've called you to. What, 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 value, what value is love without evidence, you see? After the cross, listen to this thought. After the cross, okay, in the past, 2,000 years ago, now, the current tangible evidence of God's love for the whole wide world is his followers living the mission. Think about that statement. Let, let, me, let me say it another way. Your neighbor can't run to the cross and see Jesus dying there. 
Your wife can't, your husband can't, your children can't, your mom and dad can't, your neighbors can't, your teacher can't. They can't run to the cross and look up at Jesus and see him hanging above the, uh, the ground between the wrath of God and our rebellion, paying the price as a suffering servant. They can't see that. But what they can do, what they can do is watch me and you and know that we visited there and we've surrendered our mission to his mission and that kind of love has impacted us and transformed us from the inside out and they can see an expression of his love by you and me living the mission. It's the current, it's the current way God's chosen to live the mission. Now let me ask you something. What part are you playing in that? Have you been on the sidelines for a little while? What are you going to do with it? Wallow? Look down at the carpet? Feel like the worst thing that ever happened? And, or will you just acknowledge that we all have a tendency to wander and instead today say, Lord Jesus, I don't want to be that way not one more day. Not one more day. So as we go on through, just read along with me, all right? Now let me just say that the world can't run to the foot of the cross. It can't, but you and I can run to them. With that kind of love in our heart on display, when we die to ourselves and live the mission that he's created and called us to do, oh, they can see that you and I have died to our selfishness, that we don't plan what we do for the kingdom based around getting to do all the things that we want to do. And by the way, why do we want to do the things so strongly that aren't part of the mission? It's a good question to ask. Number three, there's only four. Y'all listening so fast. We're about to swap it. So we dealt first with the sheep. Did you notice? He separated them based on whether or not they were feeding, clothing, loving, loving by example, loving with their hands, loving tangibly, really loving the world and doing it unconditionally. He tells the right-hand side that uh, their love has been unconditional. He goes on to say, when you did it to the least of these, you, my brothers, you did it to me. Well, now he's going to deal with the goats. Y'all ready? And by the way, I need to pause here and speak to the older among us. Now, I didn't say old. I said older. Uh, there's a large group of younger people, younger, I didn't say young, younger people in the room that want to be the goat. Right? Anybody with me? Uh, meaning the greatest of all time. Uh, you'll see things about certain quarterbacks, certain basketball players, and they'll say so-and-so, and they'll have a little goat in the picture, right? I had an older person come to me this week and say, what in the world does that mean? And I said, I'm actually not quite, I do know this, actually. The greatest of all time. But let me just say something. In today's scenario, listen close. You don't want to be the goat. So how does he deal with the goat? Let's watch. He's going to parallel. Same way he, same way he did with the others. It's going to be a one and two. Same thing. So number, one, number two, we said some inherit heaven. Some will inherit heaven. But number two, some will be punished for eternity. Some will be punished for eternity. You know, there's a part of me. I don't like things to be awkward between us. I like for us to have just harmony and unity and and immediately when you say some will face punishment for eternity, there's a little tension in the room because there's some flesh nature in our midst, and that flesh nature says, well, who do you think you are gets to determine that? He's called God. And my question for you, but who do you think you are to question God and his ways? So let's just kind of walk through this thing. The sheep have been dealt with. Now let's hear He's dealing with the goats. Am I a sheep or am I a goat? Number one, little number one, under some will be punished for eternity. Number one, what are the observable marks of the unbeliever? See, we're just flipping it. 
That's what he does in this scenario. We're just flipping it. We saw the observable marks of the believer. Now we're going to see the observable marks of the unbeliever. How are we going to know which ones to put in the left-hand category unless we look at them, make a determination, and put them in the category, okay? So let's read. Put your eyes, if you will, on verse number 42 with me. Y'all there with me? Verse 42. Here's what he says to the goats. For I was hungry. Then he's going to say to the, on the left in verse 41, listen to this. Uh, depart from me. Now listen to the stark contrast. To the sheep, he says, come. To the, sh- to the goats, he says, go. You see it? To the sheep, he says, come. You know what you say to somebody when you're somewhere and you invite them to where you are? You say what? Come. But when somebody's where you are and you want them to leave, what do you say? Go. Listen to me, friend. Uh, you don't want to hear from the mouth of the master. Go. You got no place here. You go. You can't. Heaven's not yours. And this was interesting to me. I had a funeral home director say this to me about a year ago. He said, you know, preacher, what's interesting? I said, yeah, I know a lot of things that are interesting. <laughs> he said, no, the one thing that I think about a lot. I said, well, please tell me. He said, this is what I've learned in all the thousands and thousands of funerals I've done over the 30-something years of directing a funeral home. He said, nobody ever goes to hell. Hmm. According to this, he's going to separate them. Two groups. Two, not three. Okay, now listen to him deal with the goats for a moment. Verse 41, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire that was not prepared for, for, for souls of man, but was actually prepared for the devil and his angels. And he says, why? Now we're going to talk about the observable marks for a minute. Verse 42, I was hungry and you, come on, y'all stay with me. You gave me no food. I was thirsty and you. You, were, you, just, you just went to church. You just lived the American dream. You were just a good old boy. You, you kept doing you. Now, you sprinkled some Jesus, like that sprinkle of Jesus nonsense, you know. You sprinkled a little Jesus along the way. But you never lived all in. You, you never really confessed me as Lord and invited me to take the steering wheel and the gas pedal and the brakes and the safety strap and the door handle and the maintenance on the vehicle. Come on, somebody. He didn't do that. He says, you got to go. You didn't do these things. You didn't live it out. Hey, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Whose mission are you living? Let's read a little further along. Verse 43. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. So what are the marks of the unbeliever? You ready? Here it is. They don't live the mission. Just write that down. It's very simple. They don't live the mission. So the sheep live the mission. The goats, anybody, y'all still here? Don't live the mission. Can we all say that together? Because it's pretty simple. We need to get it. The sheep live the mission and the goats, which one am I? I just need to answer that today. Which one am I? Well, I prayed a prayer. He didn't say he put them in categories by who prayed a prayer. He put them in these two categories based on the evidence of what they believed. If you could see the evidence. Because Jesus gets in you so that he can live out of you. And when he's living out of you, you take your hands and your feet and your mouth and your resources and you commit them to the cause of Christ. Oh, what a picture. Intense, but a beautiful picture. Now listen to their rebuttal. All right, so we said the observable marks of the unbeliever. We're going to flip the conditional love now, and we're going to call the second part of their, their rebuttal back to the king as conditional love. Let me show it to you. This is going to, y'all ready for this? 
Y'all okay? You need to stand up to a jumping jack or something? You don't need to get, you need to get this, all right? This is, watch this. This is, what a picture, all right? So as he goes on, they answer back to him. And this is what they'll say. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or, or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, and, and didn't minister to you? We don't remember seeing you. I mean, we don't remember seeing you. Now think about what they're saying. They're saying, if we'd have seen you, come on, y'all help me, we would have done it. Because the king has resources to change people's lives. And if you go do something good for the governor, the governor might have a position for you. If you go do something for the king, he might bring you into his cabinet. You know, you get to serve with him. The king is... When you serve the king, you get notoriety. When you serve the king, you get pats on the back. When you serve the king, man, you might even get a position. He might give you some land and a house. He might, you might live the American dream. And Jesus said, because you didn't see me, you didn't do anything. What you failed to realize was my people are representative of me. And when you didn't do it to them, you, you, you conditioned your, your love, listen to me. Here's a statement you need to write down somewhere. Even goats have unconditional, I mean, excuse me, even goats have conditional love. Even goats. They're separated from God. They will be separated from him for eternity, but they can love condition-based. I mean, you know, there's a king. He's got something to offer. Let's go love him. Let's do something for him. Imagine this. Let me ask you a question. Would this scenario work out for you if, in fact, you were at work on Monday morning and as you went to work, Michael, Jesus comes in the door. And you know it's him. And it's uh, one of these, you know, five mornings where we have below freezing in Mississippi in the winter. And he's got a tattered tank top on. And he comes in the door. He's got bare feet. And he's wearing sandals, you know, because that's what we picture Jesus as. He comes in on Monday, and you see him, and, and you say, there's Jesus. <laughs> what are you going to do? Let me get my shirt. Right? I mean, anybody else would say that? If I'm seeing, I'm just, well, y'all are just sort of staring at me, so let me fill in the blank here for me. I'll use me for an example. If I see King Jesus, the one who rescued a sinner like me and transformed my life and gave me purpose for living and has given me the opportunity to preach the gospel and impact lives and watch lives be transformed, including my own, if I see Jesus, I'm going to take off whatever I got that he needs and it's his. You hear me? But there have been many a time when people come in to your workplace and mine and they're in that little tank top, it's tattered, they're in sandals, and it's cold. And we say, well, they probably made some bad decisions in their life. They probably, you know, you know, I'm just going to go to church Sunday. I mean, I know they're having that ministry buffet Sunday night, but i got things to do. you got real important temporary things to do that if you, don't, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't miss those things and come tonight to find out where your place to serve, and you go ahead and do that thing, 100 years from now, what you do tonight will have zero effect. And so much of our life, we think we, well, I got this love in me. Yeah, but it's condition-based, so goats do that. But goats aren't part of the kingdom. And goats aren't going to heaven. And goats aren't his family and his people. Oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm saying this morning. I know it's not pleasant to the ears. I know it's offensive to the heart. I've got the same old heart of Adam in there that doesn't want to hear somebody point out the fact that maybe either I'm lost or I'm living like I'm lost. I get it. But the purpose of it all today is God calling me and you up. And as I, I came in there, I'm telling you, you, you wouldn't believe the people stacked in around here. And I was singing in those rooms back here, 50 in a room, singing at the top of their lungs. 
I got to thinking, I was just, I just got overwhelmed. I know you can tell I sometimes get a little overwhelmed. My heart gets to racing and I'm a highly excitable character. And I, I got to thinking about what if, what if you and you and you right here on the front row and you on the second and you on the third and fourth and all the way, what if every one of you and you sitting out there in that common area and you in that third room over there on the left, if every single one of you, every age group, every gender, both male and female would say, this is my call to live the mission. I'm a sheep, I'm not a goat. And you came back. Well, we're going to have a situation tonight. It's going to be fun to watch. First to figure out. But you're talking about what happens after that. When the people of God start living like it, living the mission. Can you imagine the impact we'll have in Florence, Richland, Byram, Madison, Mississippi, the United States, and the world. And the world. I'm fired up. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm excited about the potential in you. Now, listen, you get to choose whether you will or you won't. It should flow from whether you're a goat or a sheep. Oh. So it's a lot more at stake than you being, getting, getting to experience the joy of mission. It's whether or not you're a part of the kingdom or not. It's whether or not you're going to heaven or you're going to be separated from God for eternity. There's a lot more in the balance than whether or not the mission gets accomplished because he's going to accomplish the mission with or without you. My goodness gracious alive, conditional love, all right? So just as surely as they had seen many people in need who had nothing to offer them, they sat on the sideline of the mission, the goats, okay? Now, let me move on to number four, and here's where we're going to close, okay? So, so far, everybody okay? Look up, check your parent, make sure they're not dozed off on us, all right? This, now we're coming to the critical phase of the court proceedings. Here it is. It's the sentencing. We've had that separation. We've determined, looked at their marks, birthmarks of a believer, birthmarks, the observable marks of an unbeliever. The believers were settled in unconditional love. They didn't care if it was the king or who it was. They wanted to love people. The goats, only if it was the king, only if it had something to benefit them, conditional love. And now the sentencing. Okay, is everybody with me? Let's read. It's one verse. Did you know that? It's just one verse. The sentencing. And these will go away. He's just finished talking to uh, the goats. Assuredly, I say to you, and as much I'm in verse 45, as you did not do it. You did it or you didn't do it. That's the only. He didn't say if you gave money. He didn't say those on the right hand are the ones that, you know, prayed a prayer. They went to church all the time. No, no. The ones on the right hand did it, and the ones on the left hand didn't do it. Lived the mission, didn't live the mission. And these, he's just dealt with the ones who didn't do it, will go away into Everlasting punishment. Now, now, let's just, for just a second, think about that. The great tragedy of hell is that it's populated with people who Jesus paid for. He took the punishment and by grace extended the offer to you and to me. You say, he's never done that. He's doing it right now. After today, you can never say that again. He's offering today to you full unconditional pardon. If you find yourself here... You're going to have a flashback moment, at least to today. Man, I felt something in my heart. That preacher was, I felt like he was talking just to me. And I know I needed to give my life to Jesus, but I, you know, I was worried about what somebody was thinking. There was a bunch of people in there, and yada, 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 and there you are. You find yourself at the, in the category of the goats. And he says, I'm going to say to them, depart from me. Now, depart from me. Now, think about it. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you didn't choose me in this life. You didn't choose to be a part of my mission and my kingdom here in this life. I'm not going to force you to do it for eternity. I'll give you what you ask for. So as we consider that, listen, eternal punishment. Jesus took the punishment or you can choose to. 
The problem is, if you choose to take the punishment, you'll make restitution for the rest of eternity and never have satisfied the debt because only Jesus could. Now let's read the end. Thank God I got some good news to give you. Some of you are looking really beat down today. And these will go away into everlasting punishment. But, hallelujah, but, you see this? But, but, here it is, the righteous, and this is not righteous because of their actions. These have been made righteous in Jesus Christ, and now he's living out of them. He says the righteous will go into everlasting life. That city whose builder and maker is God himself. Doesn't have to be painted. The asphalt doesn't have to be patched. I wish somebody would shout amen right there. Nothing will have to be pressure washed. You won't have to uh, redo anything. There will be no demolition work done. I wish somebody would hear what I'm trying to say to you this morning. There will be no IVs, no vaccinations. There will be no masks. There will be no diabetes, no cancer. There will be no struggle with strife or sin. There will be no greediness, no pride, no anger, no fight with wanting to look at what I'm not supposed to look at. All of that will be gone away for those who have been born again and are living the mission. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I want you just to settle in your chair, okay? Set your stuff over to the side. Go ahead and get that out of your way. Quick as you can, let's be silent. I want want to just hear, if I could, just hear some silence in here for just a moment, okay? Quick as you can get your... Here's what I want to say to you. Stillness of this moment, every head bowed and every eye closed in the room. Nobody looking around. Just get settled in. Be still as you can. Are you a sheep? Or are you a goat? Well, I prayed a prayer. No, 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 no. Are you living the mission? Or are you not? Has Jesus really become Lord of your life? Have you trusted in his death and resurrection in such a way that you've invited him to come and take the steering wheel, the gas pedal, the brakes, the blinkers, the maintenance on the vehicle, everything, all in? If not, listen to my voice. What are you waiting for? We had about three in the early worship time that gave their life to Jesus Christ. Whether you're in this room or out in the common area or in the room down to the left, if today you look at the scope of your life, you can never go back to a time when you truly trusted Jesus' death and resurrection in such a way that you believe he rose from the dead. And, and, and listen, at that truth, you said, because you love me like that, I'm surrendering. I'm giving over control. Jesus, come and be Lord. There are many of us in this room that haven't done it, and that judgment is surely coming. And God loves you so much, he brought you out here in the middle of nowhere, packed you in here with a bunch of people. Let you listen to a crazy preacher who was bouncing in clubs in downtown Jackson who he rescued and set free and is given a mission to tell you that he loved you and he made a way for you to be his. You can't fake being a sheep. Doing the deeds won't make you his. When you turn your life over to Jesus, he'll produce the mission in you. So here's what I want to ask. With heads bowed and eyes closed, all the way out to the back, we got the doors open into the common area, even out to that room, uh, down to the left. I wonder if there's anybody in our midst that would, that would be willing to come to the altar and just begin to pray for lost souls. 
you can come out of the common area out there and come down to the altar. You can come from in this room. You can come from that far room down to the left. You can just come out of that, walk right out of the room, come on down to the altar. I see people coming out of the hallway. You believe that? Hallelujah. Just come down to the altar and begin to pray. If there are any lost souls among us, that they would stop playing games and be caught and found and rescued by God today. Would you pray that with me? They're coming from all over the building, all over the place. Just begin to pray. Y'all just sit in right there and pray for lost souls. Pray that God would bind the enemy, that he would take the blinders off of eyes, that some man, some woman, some young person would stop wrestling and resisting against God's rescue. Now I want to speak to you. If you're here today and that's you, and you know because God's wrestling with you in your seat. I mean, he's wrestling with you. You're driving down the road. You're in that room back there, out in that common area, and he's wrestling you down because he loves you and he wants you to surrender. Would you by faith today, here it is, would you by faith today, if it's never happened for you before, there's no evidence of Jesus in your life, would you today be willing to say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. Put it in your own words. And today, based on what you've done for me, I want you to come and be Lord. I want to get out of the driver's seat. I don't want to have the brakes. I don't want to have the gas. I don't want to have the blinker. I don't want to have the maintenance schedule. I'm turning my life over to you. King Jesus, would you be Lord of my life. Somebody needs to pray it right now in this moment. Right now in this moment, right wherever you are. These up here praying for you, you need to pray that and invite Jesus to be Lord. If you mean it with your whole heart, he'll save you this day. This day will be an eternity changer. He paid it all. He bled and died so that you could be his and he could be yours. Now here's what I'm going to do with this. Heads bowed, eyes closed, people down here praying. Can you imagine what's going on at the throne? This many souls at the throne of God praying and petitioning, asking God to move. I want to say to you out there, how many of you, if you're out there, and I'm not going to ask you to come down front because right now there's no room, and we'll give you a chance in a minute if you want to, but here's what I want to do. I just want to know by show of hands, if you're in this room and today you have invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, don't be ashamed of that. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to call your name. I want you to hold your hand up, but don't slip it right back down. Hold it up for a second. I see you there. Just slip it up. God bless you. Just slip it up and hold it up there. I see you there. Any others? Just slip your hand up today. Yes, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I want Christ to come. I see you over there. God bless you and you. In a minute, you're going to have an opportunity. I'm not going to come find you and make it weird, but if, if you feel led of the Spirit, you come share with us. We want to celebrate with you. If you're here today and God's saying, you know you've been born again, but you've not had a place to plug in, and this is the place, then today, and God's stirring, you want to be a part of this gathering, you come on. Maybe you've trusted in Jesus, confessed Him as Lord, but never followed through in baptism. Today, He's saying, come on, it's time to go public. So I'm praying for a great outpour of the Spirit of God. Some of you right now need to, in this invitation time, just ask God one question. You ready? Would you ask? I'm asking a favor of you. Would you, if you would be willing to ask God one question, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? I'm just asking you to do one question. Good night. Only 10 of y'all are willing to ask God one question. All right, one more time. Let me ask the group again. If you're willing today to ask God one question with me, would you raise your hand so I know who will be willing to do this? Okay, here's the question. You ready? Here's the question I want you to ask God. Ask God this question right now in your heart, right now where you're sitting. Where do you want me to be at 6 o'clock tonight? Just ask God. Just ask Him. Where do you want me to be? If He says, can't, you got something you need to cancel, you need to cancel. Listen, I believe you're going to be a part. If you'll be here tonight, I believe you're going to be a part of something like you've never seen before. If the Spirit of God's living in you, there ought to be a yearning for that. Where the activity of God is, you ought to want to be. God, where do you want me to be at 6 o'clock this evening? And how will that impact the rest of my days? just a minute we're going to stand to our feet lift our voices in song if listen if God is stirring for you to respond in some way we want you to come we want you to come we want to pray with you we want to encourage you 
So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'd take this time, and, God, you'd move in ways like we've never seen before. God, stir in the hearts of people. I can't wait to see. Can't wait to see, God. Can't wait to hear. Do it, God. Do it again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.